You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome to this episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast. My guest today is London-based journalist and Elvis author Zoe Gotto. Alongside her best-selling book, Elvis Style, From Zoot Suits to Jumpsuits, Zoe's articles about Elvis have been published in GQ, Esquire, Numero, New Musical Express and the New Zealand Herald newspaper, to name just a few. Zoe joins me on the line now. Hi Zoe and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I love the podcast. You're based in London, is that correct? That's right. I'm in central London, yes. And I suppose the weather is just beautiful at the moment. It's glorious sunshine for once, I'm pleased to report. It's very nice. Are you out in your back garden talking to me? No, unfortunately I'm in central London, so it's very rare to have a garden. Uh, oh, <laughs> right, right. I have a lovely window with views over London. Oh, very nice, very nice. Well, I can report, uh, the weather report in Ireland is grey and overcast, so if you could send some of the weather over, I'd be very, very happy about that. <laughs> I will do my best. <laughs> okay, so as I mentioned in my uh, intro, um, you've written a book called Elvis Style from Zoot Suits to Jumpsuits. But yeah. if you can tell me just a little bit, so first of all, about your background in journalism and then how you came to, to do the, the book on Elvis. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I worked for 10 years in the fashion and design industry. Um, and then for the past 10 years, I've been a freelance journalist um, writing about style, predominantly menswear. Um, and how did the book come about? Um, we'll have to go back to when I was a university student and I was working as a waitress in a restaurant um, and I was having some downtime. I was flicking through a magazine and I came across an article on Elvis and it was like being hit by lightning. It was a really memorable moment. I just thought, wow, he is the most incredible looking person I have ever seen. Um, and that was the moment, really. I was absolutely hooked. Um, so shortly after that, within a matter of weeks, I had booked tickets out to Memphis um, and I ended up writing my university dissertation on Graceland. Um, and then fast forward 10 years and I was in, I was working as a journalist and I was in a bookstore and I was looking at um, the style books and I could see everyone was there, all the greats, they had Audrey Hepburn, they had Marilyn Monroe and I was looking there and I couldn't see Elvis and I thought, aha, you know, someone's missing the trick here um, given Elvis's huge influence on fashion. Um, so I started to look around and realised that nobody had really covered it in depth from a fashion perspective um, and that's where the the idea of Elvis style was born. Well I, I mean you know a lot of people would agree with you what you're saying you know he was the most stunningly handsome man that ever walked the earth but he, he, he also had style with a capital S didn't he? <laughs> he did and um, I feel that in contemporary culture it's his you know massive influence that he's had and a massive input that he's had on fashion and design I think it's been sorely overlooked really um, I'm constantly walking down the street and kind of thinking in my head ah you know he looks a bit Elvis rockabilly ah she looks a bit I can see all these references yes. um, or because I write a lot about fashion I go to the fashion shows and I'm often sat there and you know these guys are parading down the catwalk and I'm thinking that is so Elvis <laughs> but <Yeah>. unfortunately <laughs> it's kind of he's not credited with the massive influence that he's had and that was something that I really wanted to set out to do with my book kind of give him the credit I feel who he deserves. Yeah so so the the research for the, for the book if you can just sort of cover um, I mean did you go to Lansky's in Memphis while you were there? Yeah absolutely um, I did quite a few trips to Memphis I love Memphis it is um, one of my favorite places on earth Me too. and um, got Got to know Hal Lansky, um, who is Bernard, who was um, Elvis's tailor in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, Hal Lansky is Bernard's son, and he is carrying on the Lansky legacy. Um, and he's got a couple of stores in Memphis. And he was really helpful with my research, with interviews. And he wrote the introduction for my book as well. So he was great. Um, my research also took me over to Denmark to... Uh, I don't know if you know it, Memphis Mansion. 
Oh, yes, um, yes. Is it Randers or something, isn't it? I think. Yes, yes, absolutely. It was, I think it was actually initially called Graceland Randers, but they had yeah. to then change the name. So it's yeah. now Memphis Mansion, which is a um, museum that was set up by an Elvis superfan called Henrik. And he has a collection of over 6,000 Elvis items. A lot of the stuff is original worn Elvis garments. Um, so we went over there. I packed up the kids and we went over there a holiday because those are the kind of holidays I take my family on um, and then there were just many many hours spent in the British Library um, reading up not only on Elvis's life but also on um, the fashion and design from the 60s 70s uh, the 50s 60s and 70s um, and then a lot of time was also spent researching and reaching out to experts who I wanted to comment on on Elvis and his style um, yeah, and I found that Elvis, um, when I was reaching out to these people, I found that Elvis was um, a topic that really opened doors. I feel that if someone gets Elvis, they really get Elvis and they really want to be involved. Um, and that was actually really lovely. So I heard back from lots of kind of high profile people that I wasn't sure if they'd get back to me, but they got back and they were really enthusiastic because, you know, Elvis had kind of sparked a real interest in them and they had lots to say about him so I had a really nice response from people that um that I was reaching out to for, for comments about Elvis. Good I, I just want to mention a few things uh, from the book um just just mention uh the the um agreement that Elvis had with the Lansky brothers when he first started out. Yeah absolutely um I think this is the first example of celebrity endorsement this is kind of 70 years prior to, you know, these Instagram influencers who are posting about the latest product placement. Elvis was actually somebody who was really pioneering um, a celebrity endorsement deal. So he worked with Lansky Brothers, the tailors on Beale Street at the time. Um, and this is when he was just starting out. So he was just starting to get booked for gigs, but he didn't have um, a wardrobe that was kind of worthy of the fans' adoration yet. So he struck up a deal with Lansky Brothers where they would um, give him free clothing. And in return, he was going around and he was saying to people, hey, I get my clothes at Lansky Brothers on Beale Street. Um, so he was a kind of unofficial spokesperson, how described it as. Um, and I think this deal worked really well because Elvis became a lifelong customer for them. Um, and Lansky Brothers had still got a thriving business where they're selling Elvis-related garments. Yeah, so again, he was a first uh, in that area as well. I mean, Elvis did many, very many firsts, but you're saying now that he was one of the first influencers. So that's another thing to add to his, his bow, a string to add to his bow. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Uh, a picture I found very interesting in the book, actually, was the, the uh, white buck shoes that appear in a lot of Al Wertheimer's uh, photographs taken in the summer, spring and summer of 1956. And... Yeah. Um, I actually didn't know this. I mean, people people often say to me, Steve, you know a lot about Elvis, but I, unless I, I knew this and I forgot it, but one uh -huh. of the shoes was actually, the right shoe was actually half a size bigger, wasn't it? Yes, and um, I actually, I took a photo of those pictures when I was in Memphis Mansion in um, Denmark. They've got them in their collection. And yeah, apparently at the time he had an um, ingrown toenail and... Yeah. Um, yeah, one of his shoes was half a size bigger. So I thought that was a kind of quirky little detail that I could add in there. But then I quite like in the book, it's on the page opposite, that really lovely picture um, that you mentioned of Elvis, um, where he's riding the train back from New York back to Memphis, really beautiful black and white picture, and he's wearing those shoes. So I, I thought it was really nice in the book to try and link up the garments but also show um, Elvis wearing them to have that kind of relationship between the two. Yeah, that's a superb picture. He's 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 leaning uh, his hand uh, on his forehead, uh, yes. sort of framing his one eye, and the light is coming in through the window of the train. It is. It's it's a it's a brilliant picture actually. Actually, Al took a lot of great pictures of Elvis over such a short period. And I yeah. often say, I often say it was just before the curtain came down. There was never ever that much access to Elvis ever again. 
Absolutely. I mean, so much access that he's there in the bathroom, <laughs> photographing him in front of the mirror. Um, yeah. I really love that. But also the Elvis allowed that kind of closeness as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, it shows this kind of generous spirit. And of course, those beautiful pictures taken of him and Barbara Hearn on the afternoon of July the 4th at Audubon Drive. Uh, As you probably know, I actually spoke to Barbara last week and what a charming lady she was. Very very graceful, beautiful. I listened listened to the podcast and I thought she was amazing. You could hear what a kind soul she was in the interview. I was absolutely made up when she agreed to to talk to me. And she actually said to me at the end of the interview, uh, you probably heard that uh, she won't be giving any more interviews. So I was very honoured to think I would be the last person to get an interview from her. I think um, I think that's so lovely that you had the opportunity to talk Elvis with her. Um, I wanted to mention um, Elvis's appearance in, on September the 9th, 1956 on the Ed Sullivan show, the tweed jacket and bison check and black peg pants. Again, yeah. that was that was something that would be quite unusual to be seeing somebody wearing on a television show. They would normally wear a tuxedo or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's a quote I found from Bernard where he describes feeling just really shocked when he saw Elvis come on stage. And he said, I thought, man, this boy is dynamite. And um, there were 60 million people watching Elvis that night. And I think there's a real, I think most of the people watching that would have had a kind of mixture of shock and admiration um, Mm. when they saw him came on stage because nobody had really looked like him. Nobody had sounded like him. Nobody had moved like him before on, you know, on screen in that way so um yeah i think at the time it was probably quite shocking really to see to see somebody who looked like elvis i think another area where where um would be quite uh what, what's the word trailblazing would be his his fondness for makeup he he, he was known for applying eyeshadow and mascara even from an early time what 1955-1956 when men wouldn't really have, have applied makeup no, absolutely not. And apparently he was so good at applying makeup that he used to do um, his girlfriend's mascara for them. Oh, right. <laughs> um, and he was also, he was wearing, I think he was crossing a lot of um, gender stereotypes at the time. He was also wearing um, a lot of pink clothing at a time when that was still considered like highly um, feminine to be wearing pink. But, yes. you know, he was... He was wearing it, and Lansky, Hal Lansky um, says that at the time, you know, real men um, were not considered, were not supposed to be wearing pink. But then Elvis came along, started wearing pink, and it soon became a 50s thing with, you know, pink clothing, pink Cadillacs becoming all the rage. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was quite groundbreaking at the time. I actually wonder whether, you know, when he was wearing the pinks and, and, and things like that, whether his uh, masculinity or his sexuality was actually ever questioned. I'm sure it was. I, I'm sure. I'm sure in, you know, I'm sure it very much was in society. But I think he's somebody that was so sure of his own masculinity, so confident in it that I don't think it fazed him at all. He could get away with that. And you see that later on when he's wearing um the jumpsuits but he's still so masculine on stage um yeah i think there's very few men that could get away with wearing you know the things that we say the makeup the pink shirts at the time later on the jumpsuits um and still be such a masculine sex symbol he didn't shy away from 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 sort of experimentation i mean the uh, the gold lame suit as well yes absolutely the gold lame suit is Fantastic. I wrote a piece a while ago for Esquire magazine um, saying that I feel that suit was the start of bling culture, um, which we know a lot about now. It's an example of um, how people use flashy garments to show that, you know, I've really hit the big time. Um, And I think, you know, he had come from such poverty and, um, you know, in a matter of years, he had managed to suddenly really, really hit the big time. And I think wearing that suit sent out a really strong message. You know, he was, um, yeah, the king of bling at the time. And, and then we have the movie years, because obviously his, his style changed again after he came out of the army. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the movie years, this is mostly when we are seeing him 
um, dressed on screen. So he's been dressed by people like Saida Ball and Edith Head, the costume designer. Um, Edith said that basically with Elvis, he wore a uniform um, and she wasn't going to tamper too much with the template of what it was. It was an open neck shirt, it was dark pants, it was a light jacket, dark shoes. Um, so we see kind of variations of this um, throughout many of his films. Um, yeah, I would say kind of in terms of fashion, it's perhaps not his most because he wasn't given the creative freedom, really, that we saw in the 50s where he was, you know, totally in control of his image, choosing whatever he wanted to wear. Um, and then in the 70s where he was working with Bill Ballou and um, it was very much a collaboration. You know, they were both putting a lot of creative input into it. But um, in the 60s, when he's doing the movies, we see less of Elvis's creativity because he's mostly being dressed by the costume designers on the film. Yes. In, in fact, you have some very interesting wardrobe continuity sheets uh, photographed in the book. I thought those were quite interesting to see. Yeah, they're really lovely, actually. I found them, um, there's lots of them about at auction houses. Um, so I was actually able to get hold of quite a few of them um, for my book, for the research. I actually just ended up using a couple of them in the book. But um, yeah, I had a, yeah, a big I'm just, I, I'm just looking here now uh, from King Creole, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, they're really lovely because they also have um, the little photos of Elvis, he's been photographed um, kind of backstage wearing um, the various outfits. So it kind of gives you a nice little kind of snippet of what was happening off screen when he was making all of these films. Um, so, yeah, I had some continuity sheets. And then there's also, I managed to get hold of a nice illustration of an Edith Head um, outfit that she made there. Yeah, so it's quite nice to have this, um, yeah, this behind-the-scenes side. It's quite a contrast, though, between sort of the uh, wardrobe continuity sheets for uh, King Creole and then the photographs for, say, something like Blue Hawaii with the patent shirts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think Blue Hawaii, style-wise, really does stand out as something very different because it's not this template that Edith Head was talking about. Um, which Elvis wears in a lot of his films. It's something that's, um, yeah, quite different with the um, Hawaiian print shirt. And that shirt, the Hawaiian print, the blue Hawaii look is something that um, I think men's fashion designers keep referencing, you know, barely a summer season goes by where you haven't got, you know, at least a handful of the big designers bringing back Hawaiian shirts and, um, yeah, really tapping into that kind of Elvis blue Hawaii look. Yeah, I mean, we, we all know kind of what happened during the 60s, that the movies got very humdrum and budgety and mm -hmm. sort of quite quite low budget. And then we move on to, to, to the biggie, which was the 1968 comeback special outfits. That he yeah, made. absolutely. I mean, um, you know, everybody, it's, it's represented and everybody associates the black leather suit with this TV special. Yes, completely. It's become, you know, completely iconic look for... For the whole show um i think elvis was under a lot of pressure to show that he was still relevant he'd spent you know, a decade almost a decade um kind of in hollywood um in that time a lot of new bands culture had changed um, i think the pressure was really on to show that he still mattered and um i think he absolutely achieved that and some and some yes yeah he just comes out all guns blazing and, um, yeah, I think the black leather outfit is probably, fashion-wise, the highlight of the whole show. Um, I think it really showed, I think it really empowered him as a performer, you know, and it gave him a kind of slightly dangerous edge that he had not had since the 1950s. Um, and I think a lot of people since then, a lot of performers have used it as a reference point. So you've had people like Bono, Robbie Williams, Lady Gaga, Britney Spears. Um, it's a look that people kind of trot out when they want to reinvent themselves and have a bit of a rock and roll edge. But Elvis was the first to really nail that look. Um, wasn't the black leather suit based on a, a denim sort of design? Yeah, absolutely. Um, apparently, Bill Ballou, the uh, very talented designer that he was working with at the time, 
um, traced it from denim, a denim jacket and um, denim jeans, traced around it and just remade it in cardigan leather. Yeah, uh, I've got a, a note here as well, though. It could almost be a little bit fetishistic, if that's the yeah. way you pronounce it. Yeah, that's um, a comment that a designer um, at Suko Kudo said. Um, she said that he was very fetishistic and he was really dressing for sex appeal and he really achieved that with the outfit. And head to toe leather, it's, there, there is a bit of a, a fetish edge to it, it might be said. Yeah, I mean, both you and I have seen the uh, 68 comeback special probably quite a few times. Um, and if you if you look at the way the ladies in the audience are looking at him, it's uh, it's 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 fairly obvious that it was a great success that suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just total adoration, isn't it? <laughs> we 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 can't go any further without mentioning the white suit which he wore during the "If I Can Dream" sequence, either because that's such an iconic uh, image as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's first of all, it's an example of just really beautiful tailoring. Um, second of all, he. When he was growing up, he would go and see a lot of um, the blues performers on Beale Street. And it's a tactic that apparently he got from them. But if you want to, you know, be the one who everyone's eyes are on, on stage, you wear white and the lights will instantly illuminate you. Um, yeah. So he kind of, he understood the power of wearing um, all white clothing, used that again throughout the 70s with, with his jumpsuits and it worked really well. Um, but I also say in the book that I feel that it's kind of the white suit. It's like a symbol of upward social mobility. So he came from very humble beginnings, you know, sharecropper father at one point. Um, they did not have much when he was younger, but he suddenly found this amazing, you know, fame and adoration. Um, and it's almost like a kind of plantation owner's outfit that he's wearing. So I say kind of symbolically, that outfit very ties into the idea of the American dream, which I think Elvis kind of um, really epitomised. I've got a note here as well. It says the, the, the 1968 comeback special is essentially when the 1970s starts for Elvis. So yeah. you, you know, and, and you, you can almost see that with the white suit because you, you just touched on it. Nearly all the, the early uh, jumpsuits he wore uh, with a couple of exceptions, when he was when he started in 1969, he wore uh, some black suits. Um, <laughs> but, he, he, you know, 99 percent of them were white, especially in the early years on stage. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I can see your point, actually, because he would stand out from the back, the, the musicians and so forth, because they would normally wear uh, dark blue or burgundy or something like that. So he was easy yeah. to pick out. But, but then again, you're not really going to miss Elvis Presley. <laughs> with, with, or without, with, with or without the white suit <laughs> yeah I think the 68 comeback special there's um you know it's just a forerunner for the pure theatre of the 70s and you can see looking at the outfits looking at his performance um you can see everything that's to come at that moment yeah now the, the jumpsuits they're a very personal thing uh, with a lot of fans you, you know some some people love them some people are just you know indifferent about them i liked the ones uh they were quite simple from sort of 1970 to about 1973 74 i, I don't know what you think but i think the middle the middle ones sort of 75 76 got a little bit gaudy looking for my liking anyway um, I see what you're saying, but, and actually I've just seen um, the re-released documentary Elvis, That's the Way It Is, that was shown everywhere a couple of weeks ago. And yes. um, I agree, some of the outfits, when they're just, you know, very simple, it's really effective on stage. He looks fantastic. And at that stage, he's also, you know, physically in really good health. He looks chiseled. Um, he looks amazing on stage in these. But I personally... Um, really loves the later one. I love it when he goes all out because I think he's just really pushing the fashion boundaries and he's at the really extreme end of fashion, which I think is kind of the most interesting end. So the more decorated, the better as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's fair enough. I'm, I, I'd just like to tell everybody my favourite jumpsuit or one of my favourite jumpsuits is the peacock jumpsuit. Yes, yeah, that's, is that, that's a Graceland, isn't it? 
Yeah, and then probably one of my least favorite ones is what's known as the gypsy one. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with that. It, it looked quite heavy. It almost looked like a suit of armor in places. So uh, I've never really been keen on the gypsy one, uh, but I really, really do like the peacock one. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Um, I mean, throughout my book, a lot of the people that I interviewed use that phrase, you know, Elvis was such a peacock. Um, so I think to have him literally in the peacock jumpsuit it's um yeah it's very fitting what about his offstage outs uh, outfits during the 70s um superfly and so forth he he was a real trendsetter there as well wasn't he yeah absolutely and i think it's kind of offstage it's like a kind of slightly watered down version of what he was wearing on stage but really there's not a huge amount of difference and i sh- i think it kind of tells us about how on stage and off stage the kind of barrier between them had dissolved for Elvis. So on stage, he might be wearing a jumpsuit with a fantastic cape. And then off stage, he's wearing a kind of, you know, slightly toned down version. He's wearing a a jacket with a capelet on it. And um, yeah, I think it's it's quite interesting because um, his off stage outfit, I think throughout his life, his off stage outfits have been as interesting as his on stage. He did. Uh, he did blur the lines for a short while in nineteen. You can see that a lot in yeah, the seventies. Yeah, um, he he blurred the lines a little bit in about nineteen seventy-two because he went through a stage where he was wearing two-piece outfits in in Vegas. He was wearing the slacks, and then he was yeah. wearing a shirt and a and a and a, and a jacket. And yeah. again, again, uh, he looked fabulous. Absolutely fabulous in those. Yeah, absolutely, and I think those two pieces kind of slowly morphed into the jumpsuit um and it, i think it was kind of also influenced by the karate outfits that he was wearing as well i think you can see all these different influences that kind of fed into like his final jumpsuit look i don't think i've ever seen anything elvis wearing anything really really bad that i've i've seen and thought oh what is he doing wearing that i don't think i have either i think um uh, something that strikes me uh, is when he's doing the rehearsals for uh, That's the Way It Is, uh, uh, sorry, when, when he's doing the re- rehearsals for Las Vegas, which is filmed for That's the Way It Is, he's wearing those very bright um, shirts. Yeah, they're kind of quite psychedelic, aren't they? Yeah, and I, and I often think, you know, only Elvis could wear something like that. If I wore something like that, I'd end up looking like a big girl's blouse or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same with the jumpsuits. I mean... I can think of literally no other man that could wear a jumpsuit and still be considered, you know, um, so sexy to the women, really. He's, I think, um, yeah, I think he's probably the only person who could pull that look off. I would say the only thing, and this is very minor, that I can think of that maybe didn't particularly suit Elvis was um, when he got a fringe in the early 70s. He had a, yeah, a kind of little fringe. I noticed it the other day when I was watching Elvis, that's the way it is. Um, when he slicks his hair down across his forehead, I think it suits him. You can see his face better when the quiff always suits him, really. Um, so yeah, I didn't he, think... he, yeah uh, he, he, uh, that brings us on actually to his crowning glory, doesn't it? His hair. Because that was another yeah. star- that was another very stylish part of Elvis. He's actually the uh, the face of American Crew hair care products, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, I think um, they put him on on the tins a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I think Elvis's hair, particularly Elvis's hair when he was a young man in the fifties. Um, must have been very shocking if you know his contemporaries had the short back and sides and then Elvis walks in he's got a sky high quiff he's got a duck's tail at the back um, he's got trucker sideburns it was um, yeah well, it was... well that, 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 that's a story that Red West um, tells us about some of the uh, uh, his classmates was going to cut his hair uh, Red, Red comes in uh, it, it's in the, the men's room I believe and Red comes in and saves him so, that, you know, it must have been quite a stigma to, to, for his hair, you know, and he was he was obviously bullied over it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to do anything that makes you really stand out as a, as a teenager, it's, you know, it's a tricky decade in everyone's life. But to do all of these things that really 
you know, put you on the line, basically, and really make you stand out from your contemporaries. I think it's very brave, really. Um, and I think that hairstyle that he had when he was younger, it's still, you can still see that it is still inspiring a new generation. Um, and at the time, the Teddy Boys in the UK completely took it and ran with it. And then you can see there's lots of performers. Um, Harry Styles, for example, is totally channeling um, Elvis, particularly with his hair. And then you have people like Bruno Mars, um, Rihanna's also done the quiz. So it's Elvis's rockabilly hair has, um, you know, had a huge influence and still does now. Yeah. Um, there's also a uh, section in the book uh, dedicated to Elvis food. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I kind of loved writing this because I'm really obsessed with Southern food. I absolutely love it. <laughs> any chance, <laughs> just any chance to go to America and kind of eat proper traditional Southern food. And there, um, and that's something Elvis always stuck to his Southern roots with his diet, particularly. Um, you know, when they were in Hollywood, he could have been out every night at fancy restaurants, schmoozing with the other um, actors in Hollywood. But he wasn't. He was generally, um, you know, having southern food, home-cooked food, black-eyed peas, fried okra, meatloaf burgers, um, barbecue ribs, which are my personal favourite. Um, so, yeah, he stayed, he stayed very true to his roots with... Um, it was, it, was, it, was, it was probably the connection back to Gladys because Gladys would have prepared yeah. a lot of that sort of food. Absolutely, yeah. And if that's what you've grown up eating, and it is a real comfort food, Southern yeah. food. There's something kind of just really reassuring about eating good home-cooked Southern food. So I, I can totally see why he kept to it. Um, and when I was researching that um, section, I also spent a lot of time in the arcade restaurant in Memphis, which is amazing, Um, having lots of peanut butter and banana sandwiches and the Elvis booth, which was at the back. That was his special booth because um, if the fans got a bit over-enthusiastic, he could dart out the back door, which is just behind the booth. Um, And it's it's a really, really lovely space. It's kind of very, it's been used in a lot of films as as a background location because it's, um, yeah, that kind of pure 50s Americana. It's beautiful. Um, can we also mention uh, Elvis's cars? He, he, we, we all know that Elvis was big into cars. And, and he, 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 that was Elvis style as well. Elvis would drive a certain uh, style of car. Yeah, and he just bought so many of them throughout his lifetime. Um, that was a really funny thing. When I was researching the book, um, it was so easy to find images of Elvis's cars because they're just, constantly coming up at auction and you know any car that Elvis has bought and I think there were 200 odd of them that he brought throughout his lifetime so they're kind of constantly in rotation at auction houses there are loads of them um and I really love reading the stories about this whole kind of performance that Elvis would do when he went to buy a car so he'd go down there and he'd have the Memphis Mafia with him and then the local media would turn up and um you know, they'd film him. It would be this whole performance of the cameras and then they'd stay behind the media and they would interview the sales person after Elvis left. Um, and I just love it. It's like, um, yeah, just the kind of theatrical side of this car buying um, that he did. And I think he just really loved cars and he loved having them customised. And I think that was a real creative outlet for him. And he worked with um, the fantastic George Barris, um, who also made the Batmobile. Um, And they did, you know, some wild, wild cars together. One of them was a limo that was painted with crushed diamonds and it cost $65,000 at the time. Um, And yeah, I think it was it was a kind of creative outlet and a hobby for him. And I was lucky enough, um, sadly, George has passed away now, but I was lucky enough to interview him um, for my book and, yeah, get some thoughts there, which was um, really lovely. And there was also a strange story that I found about um, a Cadillac. Elvis was um, too busy and not leaving America. Um, so they decided, the colonel decided that... Um, Elvis's Cadillac was going to tour around Australia. It's a really bizarre story in his place. And like, thousands of people turned up around Australia to come and see Elvis's Cadillac. 
which toured around the country. Um, so, yeah, that kind of shows like, how strong the association between Elvis and his cars was. I think I remember seeing the uh, news report on that in the movie This Is Elvis. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. The, the, the reporter says it's got a phone and it's got a record player and everything like that. Yeah, yeah fit fit for a king. He uh, <laughs> he not only loved buying cars, but he also loved giving them away as well. Uh, I I always remember the story where uh, the news reporter is, is reporting on Elvis's latest buying spree, and then at the end he looks into the camera and says, "Elvis, mm-hmm. if you're watching, uh, I'd love a new Cadillac." And of course, the very next day, Elvis <laughs> bought the reporter <laughs> and. He Cadillac. I think it's fantastic. I bet a lot of reporters were saying that again after, after yes, that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Can we talk a little bit about Elvis's homes and the and and, and what what you've called Elvis's architecture? Yeah. Um. In I've actually just I've been there a few times. I've just been back to Tupelo in January, um, for Elvis's birthday, which was a really fantastic trip. We did Tupelo and um, Memphis, and we were. At, Graceland for the birthday ceremony on the 8th of January, which is also my birthday, as luck oh, would have it. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right. What a coincidence. Was, it was fantastic. So Priscilla was there and, and gave a speech. And yeah, it was my 40th birthday on, on Elvis's birthday. So that was a, a very nice link. But we got to, um, yes, go and visit the, the shotgun shack that he was born in in Tupelo, which um, I'm sure many of the listeners have already visited, but if you haven't, it's um, it's a fantastic place because it just shows his very, very humble upbringing. And then, you know, you can drive such a short amount of time and suddenly you're at Graceland, which yes, is that's right, right. totally think, fantastic. I think we drove from Memphis to Tupelo in about an hour when we visited. I think it's about yeah, an hour. Absolutely. I mean, in, in distance, there's, not much, but they are from where he was born to where he ended up. It's it's worlds apart, really. Well, um, the, the, the the contrast is amazing. I think you could fit yeah. the whole house uh, in Tupelo in the kitchen at Graceland. I believe. I think that. I think yeah. somebody told me. I think somebody told me that once. I'm sure you can. Yeah, which just kind of puts it all into context. And then um, the stepping stone house that he had was um, the apartment. Uh, Lauderdale Courts, now Uptown Square Apartments, which um, this is my number one tip for Elvis fans. If you are going to Memphis, you can stay overnight in it and you have to book it through their Facebook page. I think it's around about $250, $300 a night, but it is the best money we have ever spent. <laughs> because yes, it, I, um, I, I can imagine. It's just the most fantastic place to stay. So we've stayed there a couple of times now. And I mean, it doesn't get much better than waking up in Elvis's teenage bedroom, really. And <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for sure. And you can, you can, you know, have a bath in his bathroom and or you can sleep in his parents' bedroom next door. And um, it's really lovely. And they have um, redecorated it, you know, kind of very sympathetic to the... Um, late 40s, early 50s style. So it's inside. It's it's quite beautiful. It's yeah, I'd say it's a once in a lifetime place to stay. Did you visit the honeymoon hideaway, the 1350 Ladera Circle? In is it Palm Springs? Yeah, absolutely. I've been there a couple of times, um, and it's really, really fantastic. I think it's just a, an example of just really, really beautiful mid-century modern design um and i think kind of design people there can be quite a lot of snobbery i think around elvis and you know people maybe were walking to graceland that wouldn't be i love graceland but that maybe wouldn't be their style it wouldn't be seen as you know kind of high design um the kind of thing that you would see in architectural magazines but walk into um his palm springs honeymoon hideaway and it is just, it blows you away. Kind of design-wise, it's just fantastic. Nobody could look at that and think, yeah, that's not really my style. It's just a really beautiful piece of architecture. Um, yeah, so they, I think they spent about a year renting that place, and that's where him and Priscilla and some of the entourage were there for the honeymoon. Yeah, there's a, there's a very famous 8-millimeter uh, home movie of them sat in front of what they call the peanut brittle brick wall stone wall 
Yes, and it's and got that there's, lovely. There's a, there's a picture of that in your book. Yes, absolutely. It's got the lovely sunken sofa, which is just vast. I mean, you could fit you know fifty odd people onto it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really beautiful, and you can if you're visiting Palm Springs, um, you can book. They do twice daily, I think, tours, so you can book and. Um, they kind of give you free reign it's the house really you can just wander around it it's really really fantastic but i don't think you can stay overnight unfortunately not like lauderdale courts no no, no. i think it's just the the daily tours it was a while ago it was up for sale again so i wonder if at some point it will end up in in private hands again but for the time being you can you can still do the tours the uh, hillcrest house is up for sale at the moment i believe as well i think it's is it 30 million or something Ah, I don't quite have enough. <laughs> no, no. What we should do, all us fans should get together and chip in and uh, we could raise the 30 million. And then like an could... Elvis timeshare. Yeah, and then we could all spend <laughs> a, a few days there per year. <laughs> <laughs> I would so be up for that. <laughs> or, or, open it, or open it up for, um, for, 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 for tours. Yeah. Um, but I do think out of all the houses that he lived in, you can't beat Graceland. I think it's... Um, such a fantastic place. My all-time favourite room at Graceland is the Jungle Room because um, I think it's just so creative. I love the idea of themed rooms anyway. I'd like to start that in my own house. Um, but I love that he's, you know, it's so creative. It's like walking into a film set. Um, and it also reminds me of, um, I went to a hotel a while ago called the Madonna Inn, which is this like super kitschy 1950s motel and every room inside they've done with a different theme so um they have the hills of ireland is one of the themes or the caveman room which is the one that we stayed in um it's kind of it's totally bonkers but really really fun and the design is great and i went there i don't believe that elvis ever stayed there but um it really reminded me of of the jungle room and i just love that yeah that kind of creativity and not taking things too seriously and if I ever have a bigger house I would love to have a jungle room of my own. Did, did you hear how the jungle room furniture came about? Um, apparently Vernon came back from from uh, shopping and he said to Elvis I've just seen the ugliest furniture uh, you could yeah. ever imagine and so Elvis said okay show me and he went down and he bought the lot. <laughs> <laughs> love that (laughs) i don't know whether he bought it because he liked it or whether he did it just to to to, to, uh sort of upset Vernon a little bit you know (laughs) yeah i think he must have grown to love it um because because it stayed there it's like a time capsule now when you walk into uh graceland yeah absolutely it's um yeah it's a a really really fantastic place i've been to graceland many times first time i went to graceland was 20 years ago when i was writing my dissertation on Graceland and the interiors. Um, and I've been back regularly ever since. And um, it still has the same effect on me. You know, it's um, it's just a very, very powerful place. And it's just so, Elvis is just there in every nook and cranny. Yes. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it's the closest. I know some fans say it, it's smaller than they anticipated, but what they've yeah. got to remember, uh, okay, now it's it's a modest resi- residence, but in 1957, it was a mansion. It was it was huge. People people weren't didn't have houses like that. Well, ordinary people didn't have houses like that in 1957. So it was yeah, a, a, a mansion, but in today's standards, it's mo- it's modest. However, you'll never get over the fact that it's who owned it now is the importance of it. You know, the fact yeah, that it, exactly. it, it, belonged, it belonged to Elvis. And it, it, was yeah. pri- it, it was his primary residence. For all the other houses he had, El, uh, Graceland was always the place. Of course, it was. It, he bought it for his mother and father, so it'll always have a special place in his heart anyway. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're right. I think it's the one place where, you know, it's, it's just so much Elvis's identity is there. And I think also we're now so used to... Um, now our stars having these kind of mega MTV cribs houses with kind of the West Wing and um, and yeah I think at the time it was um, probably a, a pretty fantastic house to live in and Elvis did some great renovations to it and added added a lot to it 
Um, so, yeah, I think it was probably a beautiful place for him to live at the time. What would you say is Elvis's legacy on, on the fashion and style of today? Um, I think it, I think there are so many kind of areas of style that he has influenced. I'd say the seventies has probably had the most influence on, um, performers and pop stars. Now he really opened the door for this kind of total flamboyance in performers, especially with men. Um, but I would say probably on a kind of mainstream level, um, it was the rockabilly era that um, you can still you can see it everywhere um, now. People using reference of it, um, the queer, the jeans and the jacket. It's kind of it's rehashed and reinvented. You know, practically every single year there's a different version of it. Um, yeah, and you can see a lot of our contemporary pop stars and celebrities are uh, you know tap into the look. People like Harry Styles. He's total 50s Elvis rockabilly. He's, um, yeah, he's definitely borrowing from Elvis's look. Um, so that's the one that I think kind of mainstream rockabilly is the one that I think is Elvis's fashion legacy, really. He influenced so many people when he was alive and he still influenced them today. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. He really has. I'd, uh, I'd like to mention your second book uh, entitled Vintage Style Inside the Dapper World of Retro Enthusiasts. Now, that was only published, what, a couple of months ago? June, I believe. Yeah, it was. Over the summer it came out. Um, and that was, there's a lot of Elvis um, fans in there, actually. A lot of people who I met through the book. Um, so one of them is a lovely young woman called Sayaka, who lives in Sicily. Um, and she is a Elvis tribute artist. Okay. Um, she, has, she has a blog called Hungry Caramella. Um, and yeah, she's this amazing half Japanese, half Italian um, young woman who sings like Elvis. Um, she's really fantastic. So I went out there and, um, and we kind of bonded over. She liked my book and she reviewed my book. So we kind of got to know each other through, that, through the Elvis book. Um, so I went out and she was one of the first people that I photographed for the book. Um, so I photographed her with all of her Elvis memorabilia around her. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's other people from, um, I photographed quite a few people in Palm Springs who are really into the mid-century um, modern style. And um, people from all eras, it kind of... Um, starts it spans over 100 years of styles and takes us you know right up until uh the 1990s and um with all of them i interview them and i'm talking to them about um about their style and where they get their clothing from and um i think the main thing that i wanted to know from all of them is why are you dressing out of step with modern society you know i think i think that's really interesting why why do you not look like everyone else um, why are you choosing to do this? And generally, the people kind of had a real passion for um, the vintage era that they were specifically into. Um, yeah, so I did, I did that book and that came out over the summer. And um, my next book, I'm hoping, will be on the lovely Dolly Parton. I think she deserves the book. Oh, right, right. And have you got in touch with Dolly yet? Um, I haven't, no. I'm hoping to go over to... Um, to Tennessee, we'll have to see how things are it's a bit up in the air at the moment, but hopefully at Easter and kind of get the ball rolling there with her. Um, right. So I'm doing that and I'm also um, trying to get together a exhibition on Elvis style. So oh, if there well, I guess any... I, was, I was going to ask you if you've had anything else in the pipeline to do with Elvis. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think Elvis lends himself very well to a style exhibition um, so I'm talking with a gallery at the moment about doing that and also about putting a documentary um, about Elvis and his style together. So fingers crossed that's kind of all in the pipeline. But um, if there's any listeners that have any Elvis-owned garments that they think would be of interest for an exhibition or documentary, um, it would be really great to hear from them. My email address is on my website, which is 
Z-O-E-Y-G-O-T-O.com. So please get in touch and, um, yeah, I'd love to hear from from Elvis fans anyway. Yeah, or they can get in touch with me at uh, ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com and I'll obviously pass them along to you. Perfect. That would be really great. Yeah, that would be really helpful. Thank you. All your books are available uh, fairly widespread like Amazon and and so forth, are they? They are, yes, absolutely. They are in America. Um, the main places are Amazon and Target. Um, in the UK, it's Waterstones, Blackwells, Amazon, and then kind of internationally, um, it's on all of the Amazon. So, yeah, it's really widely available. That's very, very good. I found it very, very interesting. I learned a couple of things. I didn't think oh. I'd learn. <laughs> I didn't think I'd learn as much as I did. thank you it's really nice to talk to you and i'm sure my uh, listeners enjoyed listening to you as well thanks very much uh, zoe and uh, take care thanks steve bye then thanks once again to zoe for joining me on this podcast today don't forget to check out her best-selling book elvis style from zoot suits to jumpsuits You can contact me by email at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Twitter. You can hear all my podcasts on all good podcast providers such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts and iHeartRadio to name just a few. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel podcast. <laughs>